This is a podcast from Minute Media. I think it's hogwash that the camera follows the ball. We want to watch the offensive <laughs> line. And when the camera follows the ball, you can't see what the offensive line is doing. So um, I, I just I want to go on my soapbox and say it's hogwash. I want an offensive line camera. I want our own channel. Um, and I'm, I'm saying it now, and I'll keep saying it until they finally give us one. Week six of NFL 2021. This is Big Man Bets with the Hall of Famer, Super Bowl champion, proud left tackle of the greatest show on turf, Orlando Pace, and New York Jet for life. Seven-time Pro Bowler on the Hall of Fame ballot and now master of the UK. Crushing steak (laughs) and ale pie, making friends with the royal family. And uh, Nick Mangold, perhaps rightly accused of poor parenting, in front of the leaning tower of Pisa. You might have to explain yourself when people are checking your media. I see kids falling in pictures. I'm a little upset. I'm, I'm not upset, but I find it to be very uh, entertaining. At, 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 so congratulations on, you know, just showing everything that happens on a family trip. Just doing what we can. Uh, that is the, uh, the amazing idea of live photos that we were able to catch that moment uh, where my son, who is my my third, um, he is the wild child of the family. And of all the people to go flipping over a, uh, a banister, it would be him. Um, and amazingly, unfortunately, it didn't go long enough because he actually did complete the full flip, landed on his feet, um, and he was fine. So it, it all worked out, um, but it just it embodied the perfect, uh, trying to get the nice picture, you know, in a scenic tourist spot um, and failing miserably. <laughs> Orlando, I don't, I don't know if you've seen this one, but it, it was, uh, it's good stuff. All right, gentlemen, we got a lot of stuff on the plate today, and we're going to start with the biggest news in the NFL that uh, John Gruden is no longer with the Las Vegas Raiders and uh, resigning under tumultuous circumstances, I'm guessing, because he was basically told uh, you're either getting fired or you have to resign. Uh, does that, Orlando, let's start with you. Does this surprise you, uh, what's happened with Gruden in with uh, the Raiders and his future in the NFL and and media, it, it really it really hadn't surprised me. I think when you come out and and you know via email and make those statements, um, obviously the the National Football League they they have to get in front of that. And and personally, when when news first broke, he lost about seventy percent of that locker room. If, if, let's just say you know seventy percent of those guys are African Americans. It's hot. It's hard as players to. Uh, to, to follow a guy like that once you know those statements were made. Uh, so I, I thought, the, regardless of what guys came out and said, and I know they wanted to come out publicly and support John Gruden, uh, but still, I think he lost a large percentage of that locker room, uh, no matter what they were saying. And then as more information came out, uh, I thought it was going to be troubling for him, I, I, for him to keep his job. And in the NFL, obviously, they don't want the rest of those emails get out because there's somebody on the other end of those emails that was receiving it. And you never know if, if they were using the same type of language. So I think the Raiders did the, what, what's best for them to get in front of it, uh, try to cut ties with John Gruden and the National Football League definitely doesn't want any more emails to get out. They're trying to get away from, you know, obviously racist tones and, and homophobic tones and those type of things. So uh, I think it's best for all parties to part ways and, and for, for, in terms of coaching, doing media, I think John, John Gruden's career is over in terms of all of those things. So, 
Yeah. Uh, to me, I was actually, I was kind of shocked because, you know, being on a different time difference here, I, I woke up and I was kind of just scrolling through the old Twitter. And I, at first I thought it was a joke that uh, Gruden had resigned. I was like, well, you know, when did all this happen? Um, so I was a little late to the party catching up on everything. Um, and to me, I think the things that are said in the email uh, obviously are very frowned upon and, you know, obviously um, are not what anyone would be looking for from not only a head coach, but just a, a, a human in general. Um, but what I find kind of crazy is a, the way that it was very specific of these 650,000 emails that these seven or so were the ones that were leaked out. Um, and then that specifically re, uh you know, applied to Gruden um, and the things that he said. Um, and the fact that, you know, where a lot of times, you know, guys will get in trouble for things that they've said or, you know, that they've put into writing, um, not only in the football world, but, you know, in politics and real world, you know, CEOs and all that stuff. And usually it just goes to the, uh, you come out, you apologize, you go to sensitivity training and, you know, you just fold right back in. So the fact that it was very quick and swift that he was told to resign or that he thought he needed to resign um, really throws kind of just this whole thing into this weird realm of what else is going on behind that NFL shield. You know, there's so much more, there's so many more emails. Um, there's so much more going on to have such a quick reaction um, and for it to go from, all right, there were a couple of emails where he said uh, some disparaging remarks to, all right, I'm resigning. And it happened so quick without the chance for the apology. I'm not that same person anymore. You know, the, what you usually get out of it uh, just kind of strikes me as odd. Um, and I don't know where we take that. I don't know, you know, how much further down the rabbit hole anyone is willing to look. Um, but it is, it, it's very, it's one of those things that, you know, I feel like the, it's either they're hiding something else or someone really wanted Gruden out of the job, um, whether, you know, be from the NFL, someone else, someone, you know, that has some other other force that, you know, we don't even know about. But something came down where you have 650,000 emails. That's a lot of emails. It's a lot of emails. And for only, for only seven of them, to, or, you know, however many came out, whatever that small number was, to specifically deal with Gruden makes me believe that there's, you know, 640,000, 3,999 <laughs> that are still sitting there that people are like, well, what's in those? And yep. I, you know, we're never going to know. Yeah. I, I was just looking at a report this morning and the NFLPA wants the NFL to release the rest of those emails. So everybody can see, which is to your point, Nate, there's something in those emails that made uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, the NFL for them to make that decision to, to, to part ways with John Gruden. Uh, and, and or maybe there's somebody else on the other end in terms of an owner or somebody like that that they're trying to protect as well. So, uh, you know, obviously in this day and age, you can't have that type of behavior. Um, and I think they recognize that part of it. So um, they decided to part ways. But I, I, I'm with you. I think there's a lot more in those emails that that need to come out or, you know, whatever. So and I'd be willing to bet that Gruden gets the rest of the money in his contract to keep quiet. Yeah, that was another thing I thought about, too, because if I if you say something 10 years ago when you weren't an NFL coach, is that still contract detrimental when you did? You know, obviously, before you even signed a contract, um, he didn't do anything during the current time. So I'm sure he'll 
he'll probably lawyer up if, if they decide not to try to pay him that the rest of his hundred million dollar contract. Exactly. The, the people that I've talked to though, a lot of it's coming out the, Oh, I'm not surprised at all that this is going on with John Gruden. Like this was something that was known, but not talked about. Apparently had you guys ever had any knowledge that Gruden had this side to him? Yeah, I don't know John Gruden personally. I've had a couple conversations with him. Don't know what type of guy he is. So, uh, yeah, I had no idea. I'm assuming that, you know, obviously culture-wise, you know, all those things, uh, but had no idea what type of guy he was. Yeah, I mean, I I had, uh, you know, the production meetings with him uh, whenever we had a game where he was calling the game. Um, But other than that, I I never had – and that was all ball and and never really talking anything else. Um, You know, it's just – it's funny, it, you know, it's it's nothing on the same level, obviously, of the Harvey Weinstein, but everyone always said, well, it's an open secret. You know, yeah, we all knew that type of thing. Um, if everyone knows, why don't they say something before the dominoes fall? Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't understand the people that come out of the woodwork later and be like, oh, yeah, we knew he was a bad person. Um, we just all yeah. went with it. Like, doesn't that kind of implicate yourself and being like, oh, yeah, we knew um, yeah. these bad things were going on. We didn't say anything, but yeah, we all knew it. Yeah, my point is, who who did who did he piss off? Uh, how did the news break? Uh, he had to piss somebody off in a major way for them to say, "Hey, we have this information about you, and we're going to release this information to everybody." So, um, so somebody's been holding on to that, and, and there's been conspiracy theory after conspiracy theory in terms of how they got out. Are the Raiders trying to get out from under this contract? And, you know. You know, it's Demora Smith. I know he's up for for election again. Did he put him out just to make you know? So there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there. Uh, so just wanted to know. I don't know who John Gruden pissed off, but they got him back pretty good on this one. Yeah, they did. All right, let's go on the field. And one of the biggest stories in the NFL and the NFL right now is the struggles in Kansas City. Another loss on Sunday night. Buffalo looking like the far better team. Let's just pick apart the AFC for a second, then we'll get to the NFC. Best team in the AFC right now. Nick, who do you think it is? Uh, For me, that's easy. They showed it this weekend, beating up on Kansas City. Buffalo Bills, I think, are leading this this division, um, you know, or this conference. They're they're just – they're rolling, you know. And like I said, they they had that stumbling block against Pittsburgh week one that kind of slapped them in the face and said, hey, listen, you guys are still human. You got to go out there and play. And they've been playing like their hair's on fire since then. And so they're, they're, they're on the top for me easy. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you, Nick. Uh, Buffalo, you know, with Josh Allen, he's doing out there quarterback, their whole entire team winning games. Uh, I will say for the sake of conversation, what Lamar Jackson did in, 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 with Baltimore uh, Monday night was phenomenal. They're a tough team to beat. I don't know if it'll last long-term, but right now, you know, with him at quarterback, uh, you know, obviously he's tough to stop and he's just gaining confidence and more, more and more momentum, you know, with each win. So exciting to watch him play. Uh, but I think they, you know, obviously when the playoffs, you have to run the ball and keep, you know, be able to convert on third down. So uh, but right now they're a close second for me. But Buffalo's number one. And, and then, you know, obviously Baltimore right up there in the mix. Interesting. No mention of the Chargers here. What's the shade on uh, Brandon Staley's crew? Anybody? Anybody just not buying into the quarterback and or something else? No, I, you know, I just, I, I don't know. I, I'm not buying the chargers yet just because, 
And, and listen, I like the quarterback out there. Um, I think he's doing a phenomenal job. Um, I just, I, I, I don't know yet. The jury's still on on them. Bills, I do know they're just trouncing everybody. Um, so I'm going with a known commodity here. And, you know, maybe by the time we get to week 12, 13, we might have a better debate, you know, but as of right now, it's Bills for me all the way. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I heard the verdict, although I like what, what Herbert's doing out in, in Los Angeles. Uh, just want to see if they can get some more quality wins under their belt, how they play against, uh, can they beat KC again? You know, obviously play the Raiders and, and Denver, see how they do through their division. Um, you know, obviously Josh Allen is a little more battle-tested. I know he's, he's made a playoff run before. So just waiting to see, uh, you know, obviously what he does. So, But they're a close third as well. All right, NFC-wise, we have the undefeated Arizona Cardinals and then four teams at 4-1, and one, the Rams, the Bucks, the Packers, and, yes, the Dallas Cowboys. Orlando, who's, who's your top <laughs> in the NFC? You know what? Uh, I think uh, a lot of teams, a lot of people will talk about Arizona, but what Tom Brady and Tampa Bay is doing, I think they're still the favorites for me. Um, my Rams are doing well. I think they'll, they'll show up big in the playoff time. But I think what, what Tom Brady and that team down there doing, what, what they're doing is great. Uh, they have so much confidence coming off a Super Bowl victory. They feel like they feel unstoppable, um, but they they're just quietly going about their business. They'll let everybody talk about Arizona and, and you know, obviously Dallas, will, their fans will talk about themselves uh, and their team. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, for me, for me, I think it's Tom, uh, it's Tampa. I was saying Tampa Bay, uh, Tampa Bay and what they're doing right now. I love the Orlando shade to the Dallas Cowboys fans. It's one of my new things that I never knew about Orlando Pace. I'm here for it week in and week out. Um, For me, NFC. So, yes, the Buccaneers are just kind of going about their business. They're grinding away. And I feel like for the Cardinals, everyone is just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Uh, You know, they're undefeated right now, but everyone's like, ah, they're going to crash and burn at some point. And then we're, you know, we'll go back to talking about the Buccaneers and Green Bay. Um, so for me, I'm still going to ride the Cardinals, um, until that other shoe does drop. I think it's fun. It's a, you know, they're playing great ball out there. Um, it's neat, uh, to see them out in the desert doing their thing. So I still, I'm, I'm going to ride the Cardinals. Um, I'm not as much of a Cowboys hater as Orlando. Uh, so I, I do like what they're doing down there, but when you're staring down Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady as the other two quarterbacks, you know, at the top of that division or at the top of that conference, it, it, it's tough. And it, uh, for me, I don't think there's a clear wide open, hey, this is number one, like the AFC. I think the NFC is still a very crowded division. Um, and, and, you know, you, you kind of let the cream rise to the top as we go along here, because right now everyone's just everyone's doing great, um, but they're all doing great together. And we need to start picking some guys off. Um, and I think that'll happen down the field. Um, but right now, for me, I'm, I'm going to ride the hot hand of Arizona. Um, until that other shoe drops, which I know everyone's waiting for. I am too, but for the time being, I'm going to ride it. In that crowded AFC, if one of these two teams doesn't make the playoffs, who would it be between the Cleveland Browns and the Kansas City Chiefs? Everyone knows I'm a Cleveland hater. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say that, you know, the Browns aren't going to make it. Um, But Kansas City needs to figure their stuff out. You know, they obviously they have Patrick Mahomes. It's great talent. Um, but as we can see, if you can't play defense, you know, that talent is going to be wasted. So, um, you know, I think Cleveland's still going strong. Um, I like what they're doing and, and like how they're playing. Um, and so 
to me, if it if you were to end it now, um, I would say Cleveland should be in over Kansas City. Yeah, I think uh, even though I, I love the Browns and, and, and it's my childhood team, but you know, obviously what Patrick Mahomes is doing, he's battle tested and he's the better quarterback. He can actually win ball games for you um, down the stretch, and they've they've been there tough ball games. They understand what they need to do, and I think they'll right the ship. Andy Reid, uh, you know, obviously he'll. They'll get that defense going a little bit, but Patrick may have to score 40 points a game in order for them to, to make a, a nice playoff run. But, you know, obviously that's why he, that's why he's getting paid on the big bucks as well. Uh, put all the pressure on his shoulders, go out and perform. Uh, and then, you know, obviously they'll, they'll get some wins just based off coaching and talent. Panthers, Bears, Saints. One of those three makes the playoffs. Who do you think it will be, Orlando? I'm going with uh, probably the Saints. I would say the Saints. I think uh, just what they're doing down there. I think they have a, a really good defense. And then Jameis, you know, he's a he, you know he has a great arm. If he can, if he could not throw it to the other team, I think they'll be fine. And they have you know obviously when you look at the Bears, you have the Packers. You have uh, you know you have a you bet that's probably gonna own that that division there. And they have a rookie cornerback. So I'm gonna go with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Sean Payton down there uh, to to make the playoffs. Yeah, New Orleans, I mean, Sean Payton is fantastic on his defense. I I, I just – Jameis scared – it's like, what Jameis are you getting? Are you, right. you getting the good Jameis or you getting the bad Jameis? And then some games, you get the good Jameis and the bad Jameis all in one game. Um, and you just see him keep – like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde just keeps flip-flopping. Um, but between the Bears and New Orleans, yeah, I definitely got to go to the Saints. No love for Chicago. That's okay. You guys can figure out the Justin Fields, Ohio State Buckeye f- formula along with that defense <laughs> down, down the line here. All right, let's go to topic three here. And we're looking at the quarterbacks again. And after what we've seen so far this year, which quarterback would you build around if you're picking number one today? We got Patrick Mahomes. We've got Justin Herbert. We've got Kyler Murray, Josh Allen. And Lamar Jackson, uh, on this October the 13th, going into week six, you got the number one pick. Who you taking, Nick? You know, and you look at it, and I think you could go you could go with any of them, and, you know, somebody would say you're, you're dead on, and someone would say, well, you're an idiot. Um, and so I'm, I'm going to try to choose with my own opinion, knowing that people are going to call me idiot. Um, I get that enough, you know, around the house. Um, I, to me, it comes to me personally, it comes down to Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Um, I think those are two Patrick Mahomes, I think has an, un, just an incredible talent uh, and ability to win games himself. Josh Allen, I think also has an incredible talent and uses the weapons around him. Um, and he's got that big body. Uh, I like that because he's able to take more of a hit than I think Patrick can. Um, and so for me, I'm going to go Josh Allen, who has similar characteristics of Patrick, but he's bigger, can take the hit, and I think will last longer as we go through this season and into the playoffs. Yeah, I think it's easy. When you look at arm talent, um, you know, obviously what, what Patrick Mahomes could do and Josh Allen, uh, for me, it's probably Patrick Mahomes. I think for the most part, um, just because what he's, he's won in the past and he's a special kid. Josh Allen, I noticed a little bit in the playoffs last year, he get a little erratic when, when the pressure's on the line. Like he may flip the ball off to somebody or, or he's real careless with the ball. Uh, Lamar Jackson's careless with the ball a little bit. He fumbled a few times. 
Monday night. But uh, for me, if I'm starting the ball club and I'm the GM, I got to go with Patrick Mahomes. Who would be your number two in the group, Orlando? Uh, I probably would go with uh, I probably would go with Lamar Jackson. Just to what just because what he does, uh, he's so special with the ball, both passing and running. Um, it's not bad for a running back, uh, as they touted him when he came out of the draft. So, uh, but uh, you know he's he's played phenomenal this year. Uh, so he'll probably be my number two. When you look at a, 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 a yeah, go ahead, Nick. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean that that's a good pick. I think for me, I would take Patrick Mahomes. Um, you know, when it came down to to um, Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, obviously I'm going to take uh, Mahomes after that. I like Lamar. I just don't see, um, and, and I'm I'm a Lamar fan. Um, I just don't see him able to continue doing what he's been doing through the course of the season um, and then through the course of the rest of the career. You know, he's he's pulling games out like a magician, you know, rabbit out of the hat. Um, and you can only do that for so long. That's not the yeah. way to uh, to sustain success. So, um, you know, I, I do like him now. I love watching him play. I think it's exciting and you never count him out. Um, but I just don't think that's a long-term solution. When do you know that a young quarterback has sort of moved into vet role? Like, okay, Kyler is legit. Herbert's legit. I'm confident. Is there something that you guys can actually point to that you see like, okay, this is real and it's not going away? I think, I think for me in, in, in big games, uh, once you see a young quarterback in clutch moments, uh, and then you see him, his leadership show up, you see his skill level show up. It could be a third and 10. You guys are down by three and he makes a phenomenal throw and he's encouraging guys. So, the bigger the game and the bigger the clutch moment, you see how young guys react in those moments. Uh, it, it really it really says a lot about their leadership and where they are and when they really have arrived, in my opinion. So uh, just just in those 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 tight, those tight, tough moments. Yeah, I would uh, I'd piggyback on that from what Orlando was saying, you know, where they rise that occasion. I think they're able to rise that occasion. Um, and this is something that you know, we will never be able to know because we're not in the meetings and everything. Um, but I feel like watching enough rookie quarterbacks go through it um, and young quarterbacks, when they get to an understanding of the offense where they're no longer learning the plays, um, but teaching the plays uh, to younger guys or to other guys, you know, in the system alongside either the quarterback coach or the offensive coordinator, that's when you know that they've arrived into their own when they have enough faith in what they've learned and enough faith in the offense that they know that they can go tell it to someone else. That's when, you know, that light bulb is clicked on and like, all right, I have ownership of what we're doing and, and we can go forward. And I think that allows them to make those clutch plays, you know, a big third down, a big touchdown in the red zone um, because they have ownership of that offense, which only gets there by, you know, a repetition, but then, you know, having your head in the book and seeing not only, you know, the drawing on the on paper where you can say, all right, this is what this play is supposed to look like, but the real world experience say, all right, this is what it's supposed to look like. But if this happens and that happens, this switches and, and this changes, we can do this. Um, so that complete knowledge of the offense, I think for me, and unfortunately you never get to see it because we're not in those meetings. But for me, that's when a player goes from a young quarterback um, to a wily vet. Makes a ton of sense. All right, let's move, and I mean this in a beautiful way. The big uglies up front. <laughs> <laughs> Best offensive line in the NFL this year. Your uh, 
top rushing teams, the Browns, Cowboys, Titans, Ravens, Bills, teams that are giving up the fewest sacks are the Rams, the Bills, Washington, Chiefs, and Falcons. A lot of ways to look at this. Orlando, do you got an offensive line that you look at right now that, you know what, that is the best place to be right now if you're a quarterback and or running back? Yeah, I think uh, I think what those Cowboys are doing down there um, with their offensive line, Tyron Smith, Zach Martin, those guys down there, they're, they're finally healthy, I think is the key. Um, and, and they're they're opening up some holes for, for Zeke. So he's having, a, he's having a great year, start to his year. So uh, I like what they're doing down there. As long as they can continue to stay healthy, there's a lot of lot of money up there, a lot of first round picks up there. So glad to see that they're healthy and performing well. Uh, so and what Buffalo's doing quietly, you don't know a lot of get guys on that offensive line, but they're still protecting guys and opening up some holes. Uh, so you know, I'm I'm excited to watch both of those those offensive lines do their thing. But for me, it's the Dallas Cowboys offensive line. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's a very uh, sexy pick of the Dallas Cowboys. Um, <laughs> you know, especially with Zeke running the ball, you know, that um, it had, just has a good feel to it. I like then what the Cleveland Browns are doing. Um, you know, they have a good plan. They have good execution. They don't have a bunch of first rounders like uh, Dallas does. So they're doing it, with, I think, with some younger guys and, and lesser name guys. Um, but they're doing very well. And they, I think they bought into the system. Um, and it's one of those teams when, you know, you're watching the Red Zone uh, channel, you know, you get to see little snippets here and there. Um, but again, I will get on my soapbox, put my hand up. Um, I think it's hogwash that the camera follows the ball. We want to watch the offensive <laughs> line. And when the camera follows the ball, you can't see what the offensive line is doing. So um, I, I just I want to go on my soapbox and say it's hogwash. I want an offensive line camera. I want our own channel. Um, and I'm, I'm saying it now, and I'll keep saying it until they finally give us one. Who, who's your number one offensive line guy that you like to watch today? i.e. maybe you're the best offensive lineman in football in your mind or just somebody who's technique i don't know something along those lines see that's uh, and that's goes to my point like i i got this i asked this um last week at the jets game where we're in the uk They're like oh you know who who, who do you like offensive line and i was like i honestly i don't know um because you know the only time you hear a guy's name is when they did something bad they either gave a penalty or what the announcers thought they gave up a sack um, which may or may not be that guy's fault, but they still attribute to him. Um, and other than that, you never really hear like, oh, you know, this was a great double team block that made this happen. <laughs> I don't think that's ever been, you know, mentioned in a broadcast. So, um, and, and there's no film of it. You know, there's no film you to watch and say, hey, listen, I'm going to zero in on this left guard for this game and, and see how he's doing. Impossible. You can't do it. Come on, come on, Nick. You know our mantra is overworked and underappreciated, man. Of course, so and I want I want appreciation for my guys. <laughs> yeah, but but for me, I think uh, what what uh, Trent Williams is doing out in, in San Francisco, he's just a beast, uh, destroying guys out there on the edge. And then the the guard with uh, the Colts, Nelson, when he's healthy, man, he's uh, man, he is a beast, man. He he. Uh, he gets on guys pretty good. So I kind of watch those two guys. Uh, it's fun, but I'm with Nick, man. Let's get an O-line camera so guys could actually see what, what's going on in the trenches. Even little, like a little picture in picture just at the bottom of your screen <laughs> where it's like it's focused on the offensive line. You still have the big screen for everyone that wants to watch where the ball is going. But the idiots that want to watch uh, the big guys like myself, um, yep. I want a little screen where I can see what those guys are doing. We're going we're gonna to petition for that, man. They got like 100 cameras at games already. What's one more to, to spotlight the O-line and what goes on? So Thank you. 
things. Hey, this is week six of big man bets. We're just starting our impact on the football world. And, and maybe this will be the one that, that breaks through. I, th- I think you guys are absolutely, you're out here for the people. People got to see what's going on up front. Let's make our picks, y'all. Two and one, both of you last week. So Orlando, you're six and seven on the year. Nick is eight and five. You both knocked out Tennessee for your picks of the week. Congratulations. Uh, Nick, you hit on your upset. Orlando, you missed on the Niners. And your over-unders, uh, you, you played the Denver-Pittsburgh and Cleveland Chargers game. But let's start with off with pick of the week here, week six. And, of course, uh, for all your gambling needs, go to WinBet, uh, which will give you the best place to find your odds, W-Y-N-N-B-E-T dot com. Uh, Nick, let's start with you. Pick of the week. As the uh, champion so far, obviously, I get to go first, <laughs> and I appreciate that. Um, eight and five, just making people money. Um, all right, so pick of the week is, for me, I'm looking at this one. Baltimore is coming off a crazy game. You know, come back, I think it was 19 points in the fourth quarter. Um, there's raw emotion of that. They're riding high. They're going to continue to ride high against a Chargers team that's coming to Baltimore. One o'clock game, West Coast team coming to the East Coast. Usually struggle a little bit. I think Baltimore is still riding high from that game. They're going to try to build on that and say, hey, listen, we don't need to put ourselves in that position where we're down so many points and have to come back. Let's just win it from the get-go. They're going to do that against the Chargers, Baltimore minus three. Hmm. Nice. For my, my pick of the week, I am, although Nick thinks I shade the Cowboys all the time, I am feeding the Dallas Cowboy fans this week, and I'm going with the Dallas Cowboys plus three and a half over the, the New England Patriots. I think they've been rolling high. They've been playing really, really awesome defense as long, and Dak Prescott's been playing really good at the start of the year. So look for those guys to continue their their uh, their run, and I am feeding the Cowboy fans. I'm giving this to you guys this week. It's a good pick. Uh, it's a good pick. Uh, on the road, Dallas in New England, not a lot of fate of the Patriots these days. All right, as we go from pick of the week to our favorite, the upset of the week. Orlando, you're up first on that. Yeah, I think Detroit gets their first win. I don't want to see Dan Campbell cry anymore in pressers. So I think this is this is this is my upset of the week. Uh, they've been having some heartbreaking losses uh, week in and week out with their field goals and all this, man. And, and I don't want to see Dan Campbell. He's been an emotional wreck. He's high. He's low. Uh, he's been all over the place. So let's get his first win, and he, it may be tears of joy. Like it. Um, all right, so I'm going um, back across the pond. Jacksonville versus Miami. Um, Jacksonville, you know, now that Gruden's in the spotlight, everyone's forgotten about Urban. It's another conspiracy theory. Think about it. Um, and so I think Jacksonville, having a lot of experience over in London, uh, will defeat the Miami Dolphins. They're plus three and a half right now. Um, so I'm taking the Jacksonville Jaguars to go to London and, and get the win. All right, and last one, we'll do our over-unders. I actually want to follow up on that Dan Campbell comment in a second, but let me get your over-unders here. We'll wrap up with Campbell today. Uh, Nick, you got a, an over-under play? Of course. Uh, so I'm sitting here. Um, I went under last week, and I hated it, but uh, I went with it, and it failed. Um, so I'm back to the overs. Uh, I've got the Browns versus the Cardinals. These two offenses just know how to score points. They're going to continue to score points uh, right now. It's set at 49 and a half, and I am taking the over for that game. Just ticked up to 50 uh, on win bet. Orlando? 
You know what? I'm taking the same game, but I'm going. I'm going a different route. I'm going the under on that game. Ooh. It'll be a more tight battle. So there'll be. They'll, I'm trying to gain some ground on Nick, man. This is a perfect way. Same game. Mm-hmm. I'm just going under with it. So that's it. That's, head to head. That's I a, like it. Uh, it. That's excellent strategy. All right. So let's wrap up with this. Your head coach, you lose another tough game. The Lions have lost some of the worst games we've ever seen in the history of the NFL this year. You're still winless, and your coach is up there, and he's crying at the podium. Do you like him more, or do you think you're like, okay, uh, that's a little too much, and that's not the guy I want leading us? <laughs> I, I, would, I, I wouldn't mind it, but his antics about the two cups of Starbucks uh, earlier in the year and – all this, you know, rah rah. You kind of lose once you start losing games. You, you know, you start losing the guys a little bit with the the emotion. Is this guy real, or is he? Is he just? Is this part of the presser? You know, whatever. There's some tough games. There's no real crying over losing a regular season NFL game. Although it's been a tough guy, you want your guy to stand up there and say, "Hey, we're gonna win next week." So, um, I, I it all depends on what he is. You know, when the cameras aren't around. You know, if yep. this isn't the first time he's cried, then I don't think anyone on the team has a problem with it. If this is the first time, like, if he's been, you know, that go, go, go hard coach the whole time, and all of a sudden he's going to cry in front of the cameras, you're going to think, you're like, ah, maybe a little bit of a show. But if he's been doing this all along, then I don't think I don't yeah. think anyone in that locker room cares. I, I play for Dick Vermeil. He cried every single day with the team meeting almost. So. When he, if he ever cried on television, it was no surprise to us. We still rallied around him. So, but that that was him every day. He cried. If he cut a player, he cried. So, uh, that that was it. That was Dick Rubin. Mm-hmm. Would he cry in front of the whole room? The whole room, absolutely, absolutely. He would cry in front of the entire room, and it was genuine. We thought the first time, like ah, it's like, but the the fifth time, it's like okay, this is this is who he is. So. Any coaches that cried around you, Nick, or, or were that you devoid of emotion in your in, in your coaching career? Uh, no, with Rex, we definitely had emotion, um, <laughs> and I assume he cried at some point. Um, I may have been crying because he was so mad that it, you know he had just had to force out tears to kind of re- slow him down and slow himself down. Um, but I don't remember like a full ball session, you know, with crocodile tears going. Um, but yeah, there's there was probably crying involved with Rex. I mean. There was everything with Rex. So if, if something happened in the locker room with the head coach, you can count on, I, I saw it with Rex. Motions are good. That's the message here as we close up uh, week six of your of big man bets. Gentlemen, good luck with the picks. Great to see you this week. And uh, hey, en- enjoy the football and we'll see you next Wednesday.